Hello, I'm Pastor Joe Castillo of All Nations International Fellowship, coming live to your device all the way from Beijing, China. Enjoy this podcast while you're driving your car, maybe doing household chores, or even your morning devotion. As you join us today, I trust the living Word of God to touch your life. His name is Yeshua, and He is Lord of all. Check us out online at anif.cc. Burning hot, red hot for Jesus Christ. Amen? And we need to be on fire in revival ourselves because there is a lost and dying world around us. There is a lost and dying world around us. They're not only here in China, there's, there's multitudes, millions of lost people, but in Mongolia, there's you know, millions of lost people, Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia. We're surrounded in the unevangelized world. We are in the unevangelized world. And the only way we could reach them is if we are red hot for Jesus, if we're on fire, if we're filled with God, if we have a prayer life and a Bible study life, and, and if we're excited about God. Diseases can only spread when they're contagious. In the same way, our faith can only spread when it's contagious. Do you understand me? So we have to be contagious Christians where our faith would be contagious, that it would spread, that it would affect everyone we go, everywhere we go. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, that's kind of been, kind of been my, my personality in some ways. When I was growing up in Chicago, I was in the gangs and in the hood. But anyone around me, I had to make them smoke weed. If you knew me, if we went to school together, if we were friends, I'd say, oh, come on, come on. Come here and let me get you high. I wanted to get everybody high. Hey, what are you doing after school? Come to McDonald's with me. We go to McDonald's and say, hey, come on, man. Just smoke this joint with me. Smoke this bowl with me. I got my sister high. You know, when I went back to my neighborhood, over the last couple of years, I went back to my own neighborhood. Do you know how many people came up to me and said, oh, Joey, I can't believe you're a pastor, man. You're the first person that got me high. And I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Like, no, man, I love getting high. I'm like, no, no, that's a bad thing. I didn't do a good thing. I did a bad thing. I, one of my friends named Freddie, he's a, he's a singer now, famous singer in Chicago. He does like freestyle music, hip-hop, house music. And he's a, he's a big-time pothead, famous singer. And he sent me a message on Facebook a year ago, like, Joey, how you doing, man? I can't believe I found you on Facebook. I'll never forget you. You're the first one to get me high. So many people... Claim I'm the first one to get them high. I got, I'm the first one to get my sister high. Maybe my big and my little sister. I can't even remember because I was so high myself. I don't, even, I don't even remember some of these people. Like, yeah, you don't remember in the basement? I'm like, no, I never met you. Yeah, man, I used to go to your basement. You lived in the house over there? I'm like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I was not saved then. But even as a non-Christian, I was a contagious person. If I was doing it, I wanted you to do it. If I knew a restaurant with a good hot dog, I would take you to that restaurant for a good hot dog. I wanted to share anything that I thought was good. And then when I got saved, I was the same way. I, wanted, I told everyone about Jesus. And I impacted people and led people to Christ. And I still impact people, still impact people to Christ. Just everywhere I go, because I, I, I try to be contagious. 
It's a bit of my personality. But there are times where my fire begins to weaken a little bit, and I'm not as contagious as I should be. And I do go through times where I'm just not on point. And when I recognize it, I try and pray, spend a little bit of time with God, stir myself up, get hungry for God again, and then I begin to get contagious again. And I remember just one time, me and Robert, we went somewhere. I forgot what it was. We were just going to buy communion cups. We went and we got high. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't expose us. No. no, we didn't get high. We we went to go buy communion cups. We went to go get communion. We went to go get communion cups, and we stopped to like fill the air in the tire, and then we ended up praying for some people and, and sharing the gospel. Then we went like somewhere else. I don't know. Pull over to get a bottle of water. And then we start praying for other people, ministering to other people. Now, we didn't go evangelizing. We didn't go preaching, go witnessing. It's just when we're, when I'm right, I got to speak for myself. When I'm right with God, when I'm praying and I'm reading my word, and I'm having a relationship with God, I become contagious. I encourage people to come to church. I pray for people. I preach to people. I evangelize people. And some people don't like me. Some people don't like me because they know the minute they see me, I'm going to ask them where they've been, how come they go to church, they, you know. But other people, thousands of people, actually, thousands have been saved because of me. And lives have been changed and are on the right path and have and happy. Even my sister, my sister was a total, total didn't want to believe in God, rebellion, into sin. Now she's pastoring two churches Married to a preacher, on fire for God, you know? So yeah, some people hate me, but I'd rather have you hate me and go to heaven than love me and go to hell. And we have to realize that we, it really is a matter of heaven and hell. That's why I don't care if my family members are mad at me, if they feel I'm pressuring them, if they feel I'm being religious. Who cares? We're not talking about religion or opinions we're literally talking about heaven and hell and i tell somebody like this if you see me walking across the street and a bus is coming and you push me out of the way and push me on the floor and i hurt myself and i'm mad at you why you push me why you do you're rude you know you're a jerk you hurt me would you not push me out of the way from the truck he said, no, I wouldn't care how you treated me, what you said. If you, I don't care if you cuss me out. I don't care if you hate me forever because I saved your life. So I said, exactly. I don't care if you hate me, you cuss me out, you don't like me. But if I can stop you from going to hell, it's all worth it. And this is not some th- theory of religion. This is the fact. If we're not living for God, living with God, if our family members don't know God, if they don't have a relationship with God, they are not going to heaven. And if we don't take it seriously, we'll always be afraid of their opinion. I don't give a damn about people's opinion. I'll walk in their house, I'll tear down their statues, their idols, I'll break it, you cuss me out, I don't care because it's the truth. And as long as you play games, 
they're not going to believe it's really the truth. They're just going to think, oh, you have your religion, I have my religion. But when they know you're dead serious about this, something in them says, wait a minute. Maybe this is serious. Maybe this isn't a joke. Maybe this isn't just opinion. Why are they so passionate about their truth? You see, we're not ready to live for our faith until we're ready to die for our faith. We're not ready to live for our faith until we're ready to die for our faith. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go to Vietnam where you'll be shot possibly and preached, but that means that you're died to what people's opinion about you. You die to whatever. I remember even in the street, I would go when I was a gang member. I went to my school. My school was in the district of all the opposite gang members. And maybe this is why God saved me. Because I went to this, my school, which was all the opposite gang members. And I'm not talking about like, you know, gangs where they have street fights. I'm talking about shoot you gangs in Chicago, the murder capital of America right now, over 1,000 murders. And I would go into the opposite school as the only person of the opposite gang in that school. There were other kids in my gang from that school or on my side of the gangs. But because there's red gangs and there's blue gangs. I was in the blue gangs. And there were other guys from the blue gangs. There was alliances, the blue alliance and the red alliance, like Bloods and Crips, if you could kind of imagine that. In Chicago, we call it folks and people. I was folks. There were other folks there, but they were all secret because they were all afraid because they knew they could get beat or killed. I went into that school, you know, screw all you guys. I'm a big rock. I'm a blue, you know. I'm taking over this school. I'm in this school now. And about 30 guys jumped me and beat me. So I went after getting jumped and beat by about 30 guys. I went and I got all my guys. And we surrounded the school like a military with bats, crowbars, pistols, guns, bottles. We surrounded the whole school. And they said, Big Ride, point, point out the guys who hit you. Well, I couldn't remember because I got, I got lynched by 30 people. So I was just like, him, him, him. I just point people out, you know. And a lot of people got beat up that day. That actually had nothing to do with any gang at all, you know. And as a result, you know, which is not relevant to the story, as a result, I got kicked out of the school. The school kicked me out, and I went to jail. But anyways, as a sinner, I was ready to die for what I believed in. So you better believe, now that I'm actually in the real thing, in the real war, in the real life, with the real God, and a real devil, and a real good, and a real bad, and a real hell, and a real heaven, you better believe I'm more sold out and fearless than I've ever been before. And if I'm not, I'm lukewarm. And if I'm lukewarm, God will spit me out of his mouth. So when I'm lukewarm, I always have to remind myself. You know, when I met Robert, I was lukewarm. When I was lukewarm, I had to remind myself, wait a minute, I'm lukewarm. I need to get back in prayer, read the word of God more, stir up that fire, stir up that gift within me. This, you know, find my destiny, find my purpose. When I was lukewarm, a funny thing happened to me. I had a dream. And I was in China here, kind of not going to church because I couldn't find any good spirit-filled churches. And I bumped into Robert, started going to Anif. I was Actually, we started Anif together. We started Anif, but I was still kind of in between, lukewarm still, you know. I believed in God, but I was kind of lukewarm, you know. And, uh, and I knew a guy. 
he was on a TV show on the, on the CCTV. He was a newscaster for CCTV. And I went out with him. I hung out. We, we, we did some things together. And in the dream, he came to me. And he showed up in my dream. And he said, Joey, if I knew what you knew, he said, I would, I would, I would be totally different. If I knew what you knew, I would be prospering. I would be successful. I would be in my purpose. I would be just, you know, I'd be taking over China, you know. Not in a government way, but just like influence and, and just, you know, pros- prospering and so on. And I woke up, and what that dream was, was here was a very secular and ambitious guy that was trying in his own self to make something with his life. And what God was saying to me in that dream is that I know about the covenant. I know about faith in God, faith to do the impossible. I know about the blessing of Abraham. I know that, you know, that we're, that, that, you know, everything I know, and I'm living like a normal person. It was a wake-up call to me. I think I told my wife that dream, too. And from that point, I began to wake up, and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have the blessing of Abraham. I have the favor of God. I have faith to do the impossible. I have a call and a sign. And I began to wake up a little bit. And then I began to write down some of the scriptures and get back to meditating on the Word because, you know, everything that we are comes out of meditation. You know, taking the Word of God, putting it in our spirit, and doing the impossible. Do you hear me? Amen. So I didn't plan to share any of this, but I just don't know why I'm sharing this, but maybe this is for somebody listening. I'll have to edit that out of the tape. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Also, the part about us getting high together. I'll have to edit that out too. Yeah. <laughs> but we should be on fire. We should be saving our family members. I saved almost everyone in my family. I'm not just preaching some message to you. I was the first one saved in my family. He's now a Bible college graduate, saved, serving God. I got my sister saved. My grandma was a Jehovah Witness 50 years, got her saved. I got all my aunts, all my uncles, all my cousins, my sisters. I got everybody saved. Then I went back and tried saving the gangbangers and got, got some of them saved, some of them. They, they're not saved yet, but I was still working on some of the gangbangers. But some of them got saved, you know. Preached to my neighbors, preached to thousands of people, leading people to Jesus Christ from the prisons to my families, to my neighbors, all over the world, to the housing projects at Cabrini Green, the Robert Taylor homes in Chicago, the worst ghetto gangster neighborhoods that people are afraid to go to. I, I go in there. Just like I was going as a sinner into the gangs to fight the gangs. I go in there without fear to preach the gospel, saving souls. Maybe I'm talking about it because this morning I had, a, I had a, a thought. This morning I thought, you know, when I was growing up, every day I was under threat every day of my life. Just walking to the store, walking to the school as a, as a gangbanger, as a royal, I was every day watching out for pachucos, Latin kings, familiar stones. There were several gangs. They would drive through our neighborhoods and shoot at us. And, of course, our gang would drive through their neighborhoods and shoot at us. But every day I walked out of my door, and I'm big ride. Everybody knew me. The kings knew me. The stones knew me. The pachucos knew me. The familiar stones. Because I'm a fat guy. Just like in China, everyone knows me everywhere I go. Now in Mongolia, everyone knows me, you know. In Chicago, everybody and all the surrounding neighbors knew me because I was 
big, I was out on the street, I was fearless, and I spray painted my name on everywhere. I spray painted, I had pictures of me. I have pictures of me somewhere. I was looking for them. I couldn't find it, but my wife's seen it. I have pictures of me spray painting the wall with my name on the wall. I, I would write on, the, write on the main road, not in an alley. You know, some people write on the alley. I was like, alley's for chickens. I would go to, I go to the main road, the main street, like, like, the, like a road right here, Guangxu and Bidajia where the Walmart is, and I walk up to the Walmart. Psh, big ride, boom, R. Everybody knew. The police all knew me. The state alderman, or the, excuse me, the city alderman, the district alderman, the guy who's in charge of the district, everybody knew me. And every time I go to my house, leave my house to the store, one time I did a shooting with my sister. My sister was in the car. I had to have a gun on me most times because I was under threat every day. And I was going to the, get my mother a hamburger and french fries. And while I was going to the, get a hamburger and french fries, two Spanish cobras came out with bottles, throwing bottles at me and my sister because we were driving. They tried to break our windows. And I pulled out a gun and started shooting. I never shot anybody because I didn't want to kill anybody. I was fearless, but I wasn't a murderer, you know. So when I would shoot at people, I would just like shoot in the air like this, you know. And I got in trouble for that because you're not allowed to do that. You're supposed to kill them. But I would just shoot in the air, you know, to scare them. But they came at my, 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 me and my sister Sheila, you know Sheila, they came at her car throwing bottles. I pull up the gun, pa pa pa. The minute you start shooting, all of a sudden they're on the floor, you know. They're ducking down, they're hiding behind the houses, you know. But this is just trying to get a hamburger. For years of my life, every time I walked out the door, I was possibly going to be shot and killed or arrested because all the police knew me too. So I lived every day under threat, under danger. So I'm thinking, why am I crazy going to Mongolia, going to Laos, going to Vietnam? Now all the Mongolians know me. Some people want to kill me. And I'm like, let's go again next year. Let's have 3,000 seats. And I realized so I like that because I'm used to being under threat. Every Sunday I come, every Wednesday I come, every Friday I come, I'm under threat. And I just thought, maybe I'm just used to this. This is how I grew up. Maybe I'm not satisfied if I'm not under threat, you know? That's maybe why God chose me. Maybe why God, God needed someone that wasn't going to be afraid of the devil. You know? If I wasn't afraid of the kings, why am I going to be afraid of Satan? Before, in the street, I didn't have a God to protect me. I, was, I had no divine protection. Now I have angels. I have divine protection. I have calling, divine assignment. Why should I be afraid? And if I'm not afraid to die, then why should I be afraid that you don't like me because I call you and tell you to come to church on time? Or you don't like me because I tell you, hey, sleep over at your girlfriend's house. I don't care because I am called to speak the word of God, preach the truth of God, regardless of people's opinion about me. Do you understand me? That's my job. And maybe God picked me out of an environment like that. Because he needs somebody that's willing to go to Mongolia, willing to go to Laos, willing to go to Vietnam, that's not a chicken. You stop the recording at that point, but you might be listening right now and you say, Pastor Joey, I wanted to pray that prayer. If I was there, I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life, and I'd like to know Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to him. 
you know, repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way. Like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, when I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can turn from your way of doing things to his way. And his way is the right way because he made you. And he made you for a purpose. And he knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to Him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, uh, wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me, forgive me of my sins, wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins, and on the third day he was raised from the dead. From this day forward I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like you to contact me, and we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life, because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com, or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path, maybe help you find some local churches there online or something, or maybe we know some pastors there that could follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening, and feel free to download the other podcast and just feed on the Word of God. Thank you for your time. We love you. And-